Welcome back to Boilers Extra. This is our first episode of the 2019 calendar. I am Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier. I cover men's basketball primarily here. He is Mike Carmen. He covers primarily football for the JNC. And uh, starting off on kind of a, I guess, a somber note because uh, last night, we were recording this on Wednesday last night, we heard about the passing of Tyler Trent, who touched so many people and um for people who don't know was a was a Purdue student and um significant follower of the team big a big fan a super fan I guess they are calling him I think he would be really excited to be known as that uh frankly but also a a uh, had been fighting cancer and become a big advocate for the the fight of, of, of cancer um passed away at age 20 Tuesday night and you Mike were the first you were the way that I heard about him the first time because you sort of happened upon him at a, a waiting in line or camping out before a football game and were sort of the first person to, to, to tell his story and uh, it has been interesting to watch him become what he became which was something that expanded beyond the reach of the Purdue uh, athletic family and the and and the, and the fan base to touch a lot of people across the country. Yeah, I mean the last uh, few days, or ever since uh, Tyler announced in September that he was he was going to withdraw from school and go back home. He was going to go into hospice care. Um, having that encounter with him in September of 2017 has has uh, played on my mind a lot just because that's the first time that I've met him. Uh, you know, at the, uh, I was asked earlier today um, what that was like and did I ever think it would lead to what we saw out of like, sure. heavens no. I mean. No, you think it's to, just, oh, it's just, it's just an just interesting two, human interest story. Yeah, it's two guys hanging out in a tent with their laptops Um and it really was a complete accident, right? Like you just—oh yeah, I was driving back from a, a high school game I was covering, West Lafayette and Benton Central, and you know, people that are familiar with the area know where Benton Central is, so you, you have to come back through West Lafayette. And I, I had seen something on Twitter that there might have been some activity around the stadium. So, and this is the night before Purdue is playing Michigan. It's a big game. It's going to be a sellout. Purdue's coming off the win over Missouri. There's a different buzz and expectation for the football program this is Jeff Brom's first year and I'm like yeah I'm just gonna drive by and see what see if anything's happening and it's probably 11 o'clock 10 30 11 o'clock at night I really didn't want to do it I wanted to go home and go to bed <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so I, I just drove by and went around the west side and came up the east side and there was this tent sitting there and stopped my truck and got out and knocked on the door or just said hey or whatever <laughs> There's no door to, on the tent. You just rattled the it rattled the chain. And right. the two kids, two freshmen, popped out, and, and that's kind of where I got to know Tyler. And you know, it, Josh Seals was the other uh, the other uh, student in the tent, and uh, you know they were just excited for football. They wanted to be in the front row for the Michigan game, and they're going to paint their bodies and all that kind of stuff and do what do what college kids do on a Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon, and. But, you know, Josh pops out of the tent, and then Tyler pops out of the tent, and Tyler's on crutches. Okay. <laughs> it's getting interesting. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting a little bit interesting here. And but anyway, I, you know, I just talked to him a little bit, did a short video with him, and um, 
just asking, you know, why they were out there, the excitement level and all that. And then you just start talking to Tyler about, okay, so why are you on crutches? And then he explains his story about being diagnosed with bone cancer in 2014. And, and then it coming back again, um, earlier in that spring. And he had just come from a, um, a chemotherapy treatment that day, uh, in Indianapolis where he, he was rushing around, he was at school and he went down to Indy and then he drove back and, uh, but he was just, he was just kind of full of energy and mm-hmm. you, you never, you know, he thought, oh, you know, I got this under control and you know, everything's going to be fine. Long-term prognosis is good. He, you know, he had a, like a 10 hour surgery, like 10 days, nine days, 12 days before the start of school. And he was determined to start school that year. And he did, but he still needed his crutches because his surgery was in the, in his pelvis region because that's where the cancer had, had flared up. Um, but you know, I even, I walked away from there thinking, okay, this is just two kids in a tent and they're going to have some fun at the game. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with it? I'm okay. I'm going to write about it. (laughs) So I write about it. And you know, I think some people noticed it, but not, not a big deal. But, but then, you know, his story kind of gets out there a little bit more, after that, um, where I think, you know, the, the, the student newspaper probably did a little bit more with it and he just, he became a more recognizable face and he got involved with the Purdue center for cancer research, you know, started kind of using that. And he, you know, Jeff Brom had stopped by his tent prior to the Michigan game, but Brom didn't know his story at that point. Uh, but he got tied to the football program and he became an honorary captain later that year. And all those kind of things started snowballing for him. And, and then, you know, I think people are familiar with the story by now that, you know, he had to withdraw from school and, you know, and I'm thinking at that point, he's days, right. You thought we thought something was imminent. Yeah. Days, weeks away from, you know, he's going into hospice, you know, going to hospice unless, you know, they can't. You know, they're kind of done trying to treat you, and it's it's terminal. Uh, but credit the kid, credit uh, his family, credit the people around him that he lasted uh, from the end of September until, you know, January 1st, roughly you know, three or four months. And, you know, I firmly believe that he had he had earmark or milestones to, to shoot for the Ohio State game, the Iowa game the bucket game, the bowl game, yeah. a lot of other things. Well, got, January 1st too. Yeah. January 1st. So it's, he just had a lot of, and not that he didn't have anything to look forward to after January 1st, but certainly right. Uh, I, I, I do think those things kept him going and it was, uh, it was sad to hear. I mean, we, we knew it was coming. There was nothing anybody could do to stop it. It was more of a timing thing. Um, but I, I'm, I, I am happy he was able to, experience all the things that he experienced and was able to get to get on that national stage. I mean, the whole Ohio State situation mm-hmm. where game day does the piece on him and then he gets introduced to the world and then Purdue beats Ohio State. And beats know. him the way they did. Yeah, too. I mean, it just, and as we've talked about and I've written, just that day is probably one of the most magical days in the history of Purdue athletics that likely will never be topped. And, and he was, he, he was part of that. He, you can go divine intervention. You can, you can go all those things, but 
all that stuff wrapped into one made that a pretty darn special day in the history of Purdue athletics. But he was able to experience a lot, a lot of things off the football field with some courage awards and spirit awards and just the way that he, he, you know, he was treated, his family was treated, how, how people in his community and the state and the world just kind of rallied around him. Um, really, I think helped, helped him deal with, uh, with, uh, the cancer that he was dealing with and, um, kind of made this a pretty remarkable ride these last few months. You know, his story might have had more traction initially going into the Michigan game. If not for coming out of the Michigan game, we had visiting Locker Gate, which really dominated <laughs> the media for the next few days, if you remember that. Yeah, maybe if he was actually in the visiting team locker room. <laughs> right. Maybe if he stayed the night in the visiting team locker room. <laughs> maybe. It, it might have been. But it, it was – you know, it was just one of those things where you just, and then you know, you follow his story a little bit through the through the next few months. He, him and his dad go to Iowa shortly mm-hmm. after that to participate in the Children's Hospital Wave, um, something they really they cherished and um, and valued. And you know, I remember talking to his dad before that. Just when you're sitting there in the stands on on that Saturday, and you're waving to the the children in the hospital. And your son's sitting right next to you, type of thing. How do you deal with that emotionally? And mm-hmm. he broke down, you know, when I was talking to him about it because that could easily have been Tyler in that hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but moments like that. But it, but anytime I talked to Tyler between the first time I met him and then, you know, roughly a year later, you know, he's everything seemed to be good. Um, and it was just I was I was planning on doing I wanted to do some sort of podcast with him kind of on the year anniversary that, mm-hmm. you know, on the outside the ross Stadium. And I didn't hear from him for a couple of days, and that's really unlike Tyler. If you reach out to him, he's right. he's usually back to you pretty quick. And he finally got back to me and said, had to have emergency surgery and, you know, won't be able to, to do that type of thing. And then that might have been the week leading into the Nebraska game. And then he sent out the tweet mm-hmm. during the Nebraska game that he wouldn't be returning to school. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> now, yeah. now it all, it all pieces together. But I do remember talking to him a couple of days later on the phone and, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't sound good. Um, it, and he talked like he knew the end was coming type of thing, but you know, my God. And I, I, he he hung in there and Man, yeah and uh, uh, took it as far I you know took it took it as far as humanly possible with his with his life. You know the two images that always stand out to me and I didn't know him very well. There's definitely I mean you had a, a, this professional relationship with him and there's obviously people who got to know him really well and I didn't know him very well. But I the two things that stand out to me are um, the, the the Ohio State press conference that you mentioned before and then also just when he worked for the exponent it was this kid and i've talked about this before just this kid who's you know practically skin and bones even then back when he was quote-unquote healthy mm-hmm. but there was just always something else coming at him whether it was the cancer itself whether it was he was having bone problems that were a result of that he was breaking things or fracturing things or whatever and i think there was a meniscus Something in there at one point. I, I don't. I shouldn't say, but there was a lot of things just piling up, and it's every week the kids coming back to do interviews, and he's on crutches, and he's there's something else seemed to be, and so that, but that was a year before 
what we've experienced here in these last few months. So that it's sort of, and then he was in, uh, he went to New York last spring to cover them in the big 10 tournament. So, you know, he, he, he wanted to be, he really just did love Purdue sports and wanted to be around it um, either as a, a journalist or an aspiring journalist or a, a fan or just a student. Like he, he was, he, he, he just, you could, you could see that there was a real commitment from him. And um, I, I just always admired that, that he, he could um, was pushing through all those difficult times and doing that. And I think that's what's lasting with people the most right now. It's, there was a selflessness to all of this. He, I think he liked the attention and the people he got to meet and, and those things to be sure. But if you ever listened to him, it was, there was a lot of, yeah, it's nice that people know who I am, but there's a million people that who they don't know, and we need to help those people somehow. And that that's that was the, the, the kind of the message that I take from him. He uh, he told me he first was diagnosed with the, the the bone cancer in 2014, and I mean obviously his family knew and his friends knew, but for whatever reason he didn't get a platform to to talk about it. Uh, and he he kind of vowed to himself that if it, if something like that ever happened to him that happened to him again he would he would use his um, use that platform to create more awareness and that's when he got connected to the the Purdue uh, Center for Cancer Research um, and he used media opportunities and interviews mm-hmm. to to do that and I think through Riley's Children's Hospital and the V Foundation you know he's helped raise thousands of dollars. Because he does, he doesn't want another nineteen or twenty year old kid or fifteen year old kid or eleven year old kid to go through right. this. He right. doesn't doesn't want that to happen. He wants to find he wants to find a cure so this doesn't happen. So they can identify these situations a lot quicker and 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 save lives and not have a a, a kid that who's so young taken from us without really the reaching the the prime of the prime of their lives and um that was his his motivation for making sure his story was out there i mean he he would do an interview with anybody yeah <laughs> at any time yeah not for selfish reasons but just more to get his story out there if it if it saves if he can raise enough money to save one life then it was worth it, and his his legacy will carry on from that standpoint with all those things. I mean, there's already there already are scholarships and yeah. things in his name, and I think we're going to see more of that probably coming in the weeks and months and years ahead. And to me, it's not even just about finding a cure. I mean, we certainly have, it would be amazing if we could find a cure for cancer, but just if you find new ways to fight it, you find new ways to give people longer lives or or ease their pain or whatever. I mean, that that all is involved in cancer research too. Well, and it's also part of, okay, he donated part of his tumor or yeah. his tumor, the, the cancer cells, to researchers to find out, okay, okay, what, what's causing this? What, what, can, what can be done to, you know, all the things you mentioned to, you know, to make sure that we don't go through this, but we right. can't go through this whole thing again. Yeah, today, Fran McCaffrey, the Iowa basketball coach, was talking about um, his own son, Patrick, had um, thyroid cancer four or five years ago. Um, he had has so far had a very different trajectory in his story. He's a four-star basketball recruit. He's going to be he's already signed to play with Iowa next season. So things are obviously looking good there. But that family is obviously it's affected them. And he was talking about how 
you know, Tyler fits into that same kind of age group and how there's a called AYA um, adolescents and young adults. And, you know, there's there's research going on as to why cancer seems to hit them in a different way than it maybe hits other age groups and and what what they can do. And um, so that those are the kind of things that are our your um, donations can help. So there, there's a lot of links and things out there if, if, uh, if you want to if you feel compelled to, I think this is something Tyler would probably want us to say, you know, if you feel compelled to want to help this in some way that there's all sorts of avenues out there. Um, and some are in his name, but then, you know, some are just, you know, American cancer association, whatever you can, you can find. But this is where sports and real life intertwine with each other. And this is how sports helps these situations because it does bring more awareness. you know, on Thursday night, you're going to have a full Mackey arena, you know, both basketball teams are going to be wearing warm-up shirts dedicated mm-hmm. to, to Tyler. And um, it just it, it brings awareness. And, you know, it's a, it's going to be probably a bit of a sad day in Mackey Arena, but it could also be an uplifting day as well um, for, for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, I think, you know, again, we, we knew this was coming. And, you know, I think Tyler would want us to celebrate his life. And, and I think part of what's happened the last few months has been a celebration of his life to, to in a lot of ways um, where people have gotten to know him. They've gotten to know his family. And, you I mean, you can't imagine being his his mom and dad and his brothers yeah. um, going through this for the last however many years they've been going through it. But really intensely the last four or five months mm-hmm. where you have people just coming to the house <laughs> and bringing right. a Jersey or bringing a football, <laughs> you know, all these superstars in, you know, around central Indiana or mm-hmm. nationally or just knocking on the door and some hey. publicly, some secretly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I we're mean, finding out there was some, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it. as we, as this goes deeper then you we're going to find out, you know, this person did, did, did whatever. And nobody, Nobody knew about it for for whatever reason, and um, so it, it is a it's a sad story, but it's one where when you look at all the things he got to do these last few months, I think it um, it it ended as it, it ended with him accomplishing a lot of his goals, a lot of his personal goals, and that's you know that's a part of a you know that's part of what I take away from what's happened. Well, there'll be a moment of silence uh, before the men's basketball game Thursday night against Iowa. As we said, the both they and Iowa, Fran McCaffrey said the Iowa players kind of stepped forward and said, we want to wear these shirts too. So I, I assume the ones that they link to online say Purdue on them and, and have well, the ribbon do. and say First Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, I think yeah. is the verse. And so it'd be interesting if Purdue, if I was wearing those Purdue shirts tomorrow night, but it sounds like those are the, the ones that, um, that's the ones they link to anyway, so... But regardless, um, sort of moving on from uh, you know, I know I know Tyler was probably um, looking forward to watching this game, and it's the re-up of of the or the the restart of conference play. Purdue is um, one and one right now in league play. They beat Maryland at home. They lost pretty significantly at Michigan, and uh, now it's 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 going to be interesting to see what growth this team has managed over the break. I know it doesn't seem like a long period of time. But you look at the results now, uh, win over Ohio, win over Belmont that was actually pretty impressive, especially from a defensive standpoint. And they, they're taking a little bit of momentum into Big Ten play. In a lot of ways, I, I'm looking a little bit past the Iowa game, though. I think this is a game that they 
can and should win. But the bigger questions are how this team's going to play on the road because that's what's given them the biggest problem so far. Yeah, and that's that uh, that goes hot and heavy next week at yep. Michigan oh, State yeah. at Wisconsin. Yeah. So you're almost facing a must-win situation here on January 3rd. You know, because you you do have to protect your home court because you have you know really this team hasn't answered enough questions going out on the road how it's going to play other than okay is it going to be the Michigan type of game now they're not going to face a Michigan type team every every week but the two road games they have next week at Michigan State and at Wisconsin are probably pretty darn close because you're still yeah. dealing you know Michigan State and Michigan I, I would guess and you correct me if I'm wrong are the two favorites probably to win this league right now in the regular season correct and, and then, Wisconsin I would put up there well I'll say Wisconsin not that far behind right. even though Wisconsin lost to uh, Western Kentucky uh, a game I watched a few minutes of oh, just, there you go. Just, just FYI <laughs> uh, thanks for, thanks for <laughs> tentatively dipping a toe in the waters of oh, men's basketball season. only because I drove through that city on the way back from Nashville oh right yeah you felt a little connection <laughs> to Bowling Green so uh but anyway, that that's I mean, this is this is the kind of the you know, the schedule is what it is. You can't change it. You just have to deal with it. And but I think it puts more importance on Thursday night where you're facing an Iowa team that I I believe got off to a hot start this season. Came out of right. the gates pretty strong, was playing better defense, you know, based on what I was seeing. Yeah. Compared to what they where they have been certainly, but yeah, because right. they were I mean, they were really they bad were last they were year. bad last year. People people can't see this, but my hand is below the table. <laughs> it's below the table, and maybe and, it, it came up above the table a little bit. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were, but they it's ranked. still not at a a Purdue when Purdue plays great defense level, and probably will yeah. never be. But the fact that they are playing better defense to me means they're probably listening a little bit better to 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 their coaching. And well, they're just older too. I mean, older? last year they yeah. were a really young team. Right. And and some of that is that they, this is just a team that's matured a little bit and, and and just gotten better. They they knew that I think last year there would be relatively be some some growing pains. But you're right, they got off to a better start this year. Um, they beat um, Oregon early on. They beat UConn on a on a neutral court. And they've got a they've got a home win over Iowa State. Their resume at the top of it is pretty similar to Purdue in terms of who they've beaten. Um, but they lost to Wisconsin and Michigan State both in the in the first weekend of Big Ten play. So there's a lot at stake for them too because you don't want to fall to zero and three. Then they get um, Nebraska at home right after this. But Nebraska's playing really really well. They're defending uh, really really well. And the Big Ten's just going to be a bear uh, from top to bottom really this year. And and you know uh, looking at the Ken Palm predictions right now has Purdue it predicts them 11 and 9 overall in the Big 10 which would make them 18 and 13 if you actually go by how they're favored in each game they would actually be 12 and 8 um but that's all it's all based on his percentages and predicted scores and all that stuff I, I think if Purdue gets to 11 and 9 18 13 that's probably going to put them in the NCAA tournament considering their strength of schedule and the, and the strength of the Big 10 but he's only predicting road wins right now against I say only but again, Big Ten much tougher this year. But it would be road wins at Penn State, at Minnesota, and at Northwestern, and that's winning those last two back to back in the regular season. They're going to have one. Of the reasons that they are are kind of looking forward to Big Ten play in some ways is they do feel like they've improved, and they feel like they can take advantage of some of the or they can capitalize on some of the opportunities that they didn't capitalize on in the first half. But it's still been so recent: the Texas game, the Notre Dame game especially that Notre Dame game on a neutral court. I mean, that's still so recent in people's minds that I feel like this team is going to have a lot to prove 
here in the next, I mean, the first three road games, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, that's another team that you could put up there as, as being a potential contender to win this whole thing. Well, I mean, you mentioned the record, like if they get to 18 and 13, 11 and 9, 12 and 8, but to me it's it's the quality of the wins. Right. It's that's what the, I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, if you but the way the the formula now is slanted towards road wins, you 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 know, based on what you read from Ken Palm, those road wins I don't think is going are going to cut it. And and, and, and they they they've got to have some quality road wins in that group. I mean, you can have you can be 30 and 0, but if you're 30 and 0 against the bottom 150 exactly. in college basketball, right. it's not going to, it doesn't help you that much. It's to me, it's about the quality. You, you, they need to, you know, really when you look long term, they probably need to split next week. They need to win either at Michigan State or at Wisconsin. That's a tall task for this team in early January. But I think a win like that, coupled with some other road wins, fine, does enhance your resume and it looks a lot better as opposed to just whoever they may beat in you know, down, down the line. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is I, 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 those three road wins that he's predicting right now are by a total of four points is the predicted scores. So that tells you, this is just a team that goes into big 10 play with a lot of opportunities and the strength of schedule that they played. It was, this was by design. Matt Painter wanted this kind of schedule. He wanted to take, I mean, I was played, I, I could look at it right now, I guess, but they've played, one, two, three, four, five, six teams that are 200 or higher in the Ken Palm ratings, including four that are 300 or higher, and that's the last three teams. I mean, it's it's a it's a garbage schedule at the bottom yeah. of their schedule. There's really no other way to say it. It's it's a terrible schedule at the bottom of their schedule. Purdue hasn't played. Purdue has three opponents that are 200 or lower, and Robert Morris is um, 291 with a bullet. They're trying to get below that 300 <laughs> threshold. But that was the games he wanted. Matt Painter specifically wanted to pull those games out, and that's how you get a road trip to Texas. That's how you get a home game against Belmont. He wanted the schedule to be better, and, and it's for this. He want, and it, it's it's not it's yes, it helps Purdue, but it's supposed to help the whole league, which would then also help Purdue. And, and now you're talking about a league a year where Purdue is or not Purdue, but the Big Ten is thinking eight, nine, ten teams. One year removed from only having four in the NCAA tournament, you could have kind of a flood of them this year. You could, uh, but this this is the Iowa game where that schedule has to pay off. Yeah. And there's certain games. Now, does that schedule help you when you play Michigan State and Wisconsin on the road? It should, but does it help you enough to win those games? They Let's, still have to have the right amount of talent, and you have to be playing well enough when you're going into those venues and against those teams to win. But this this is, this is Iowa game is one where uh, you have to lean on that schedule, and that has to help you win this game no matter what it takes because this – this is a game I don't think you, that Purdue can afford to lose. I'm not. I'm not sure they can make up this game down the line. It's winning a, a game against what Iowa is. I know the rankings don't matter when it comes to this, but they are ranked 25th, I mm-hmm. believe, this week. Right. So um, I, I just don't know if this Purdue team can get that back if you lose to Iowa at home. I, I just I'm not sure right now based on where they're at and where they're how they're playing. I think that's going to be hard for them to do. What I think is the most important thing for them, it's one of those games where because Iowa's a good team, you can play well and lose. That's a that's a potential thing that could happen. We forget that sometimes in sports. Right. As you were often as you were fond of saying, and actually so is Matt Painter, <laughs> the other team practices too. Yes. You're, so they're it, allowed twenty hours a week and they use every bit of it. Exactly. <laughs> and it, some teams use more. It does happen sometimes <laughs> that, that you play well and lose or you play poorly and win. Right. And um so that 
potentially could happen in this Iowa game. However, um, I, the, to me, the biggest thing right now is we came out of that Maryland game, and you, when you're analyzing Purdue, you think, well, that's that was the game. That was the kind of game they needed. They needed to see that they could win by just standing on their defense and, and making that win them a game when other things went wrong. And then he immediately went and played really poorly defensively in back-to-back games away from home. And so that's uh, it's kind of a half step. I need, you need to see them kind of carry over what happened. Belmont, by all accounts, from talking to players, I mean, they consider it probably their best defensive performance of the season. That was a team that came in averaging 89.5 points a game. They scored 62. They were missing a starter, but the other four averaged double figures. It's a pretty good team. Um, they really limited a, a really, really, really good player in Dylan Windler and and overall just really shut that team down for all but about a 100-second stretch of the second half. And so, But the last time they did that, it just didn't carry forward. In fact, it fell flat. Now Purdue's got to find a way to whatever intensity or whatever just um, – whatever they had that, that, that worked against Belmont, it's they've got to find a way to push it through and have it carry through against Iowa because they, they, they need to start building defensive momentum. That's still the area of this game where that volatility there is what is exasperating the volatility of the team overall. And it's putting them on the wrong end of too many of those road results. Well, we've seen in the past when Purdue plays good defense, it plays its offense is much better because you're getting out Certainly. running, getting yeah. some easy baskets, you're just the transition game is going, and you, you feel better. This this appears to be a team, and I'm just basing on limited knowledge here that their play on the defensive end is affecting their play on the offensive end, and probably vice versa. Their, yeah, their play on the offensive end is probably hindering them somewhat on the defensive end. And when when Painters teams have been good, when Purdue's teams going back to Gene have been good, it's because they've been really good on the defensive end. And that translates translates to better offense, and then things just kind of flow, you know, naturally. Yeah. Now there's been years they've had, you know, Swanigan and some other guys that that pick up things on the offensive end, but um, this this team doesn't have that presence in the middle that you had with Haas. Uh, doesn't have some of the other things you had on the perimeter. So it's got to figure out ways to 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 generate that offense, probably from the defensive end and. Again, that probably has to start Thursday against Iowa. You can go position for position and talk about how defense affects his team offensively. And you know, Nojo Eastern last year when he would come into games, he just as a lot of freshmen do, it felt like the game was too fast for him. He would get sped up. He was turnover prone as a point guard. That's obviously never a good thing. This year, he gets to start a game, come in, he sets the tone defensively or starts setting a tone defensively, and I think that helps him just sort of. I'm going to write about this more in the coming weeks, but just sort of helps him set the tone of the game. He's not the one being pulled along by, by the by the excitement of the game. Uh, Matt Harms, now that he's coming off the bench, you saw this against Belmont, you know, he's coming off the bench now, but I number one, I do think that helps him for some reason. It helps his focus, his approach, whatever. But when he comes in and he's making defensive plays, he's blocking shots, he's, he's, he's stuffing guys, you see that kind of help him lock in and, and become what they need him to be on offense. And I don't know that he's ever going to be a back-to-the-basket guy they have that now coming along in Trevon Williams, who it's interesting how they can maybe potentially use him in Big Ten play now when they really need that kind of big-bodied guy to go in there and, and stand up to somebody. But Harms took a big step forward, I thought, against Belmont. Now, again, like everybody else, it's, it's about sustaining it. You know, Grady Eifert, um, you know, Aaron Wheeler, uh, Sasha Stefanovic, even guys are coming in off the bench because they've really prioritized defense. You see that 
leading to what they end up doing on offense. It's it's it really is across the board. If if this team's playing well defensively, you are seeing it more at, on the offensive end. And then even someone like Ryan Klein, you know, we we request which players come in for interviews after games. I don't know if we've ever requested Ryan Klein from a game where he. I don't know if he hit a. Th- I don't think he hit a three pointer. I think he had two points on really poor shooting. But we requested Ryan Klein after the Belmont game because he was one of the guys that was shutting down Dylan Windler. And it it was it was not to pat ourselves on the back in any way, but it's like it's a huge step in his development in some ways that we're asking to talk to him <laughs> from a game because usually it either means we need to talk to a senior about some embarrassing loss that just happened, <laughs> or you probably played really good defense. And in the case, in this case, that was what happened. I mean, and, and he needed that. I think Carson Edwards still needs to take a step defensively um but if he can do that he seems like a guy who could really affect a game defensively and that's frankly not happening right now and so in a, in a lot all the all the way across the board you can also say all those guys need to be better more consistent defensively too but that's still where this team can i think that's this team's path to the postseason it's or their path to having the kind of season they still want to have is establishing a higher floor of defensive consistency well and i was a team that does play pretty good offense right so you, no, they can score They're you may versatile. be sound defensively with your fundamentals and all your principles and your game plan they're they're still going to hit some shots and absolutely you're, you're going to get in a big 10 play where guys guys are going to make plays they're just going to make plays regardless of what you do de- defensively but i think when you look overall at the bigger picture of things defensively what they're doing um that's 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 obviously going to be a key for them and um because you just you know next week it's just i keep thinking about who they have to play next week and that's just <laughs> i keep thinking about making those drives so. <laughs> i mean that's just the bear i mean two road games like that and yeah. there is a bit of a, it's it's uh the, the michigan state game is tuesday well first of all they don't have to drive they get to fly so it's <laughs> it's not as bad for them but it's uh at they play at michigan state on tuesday and they don't play at wisconsin until friday so it's not an immediate turnaround but it's still a quick turnaround and again, just the caliber of teams you have to play and the specific individual matchups in some of those games. Um, you know, what is Purdue going to do about Ethan Happen? What's Purdue going to do about Nick Ward and Cassius Winston? I mean, you can just, there's, it's, it's a long list of talent that's on both of those teams. And that, that's, that's the other thing that Purdue has to do is there's going to be nights where the shots don't fall. They've had a few of those already so far. Playing better defense helps with that. But I do still think they need to find a way to be a little bit more. Um, they're not not just balanced offensively, but just a little bit more dynamic offensively. There's got to be somebody else who can step up and and be a bigger factor and and force teams out of their comfort zone defensively. Carson Edwards obviously can do it on a given night, but we've seen even when he does it, scores 40 at Texas, that doesn't mean Purdue wins. Um, well, that's why I think Thursday's game is so important, and players can give you all the BS they want about not knowing what, who's coming up next and not looking at the schedule. Right. They know what they have to. They know where they're going at the end of this week. And I really think that's going to uh, lead to a, a spirited game, spirited effort uh, uh, against Iowa because they have to win this game. I mean, I, th- I firmly believe they have to win this game to have – it doesn't mean they're out of the postseason. You know, if they lose, it's, it's going to make that just it, that much more difficult. But at least if you win this game, you're still giving yourself a little bit of wiggle room down the line because no one expects you to go into East Lansing and Madison and win those games next week. There's just – it's going to be a really tough chore for them. But that's why I think Thursday is so important for them. It is about buying some of that bar- margin, margin right. for error back. I mean, they if you can win at Iowa, it does, you know, again, those are, again, the Michigan State-Wisconsin games, they're almost games that 
they help you a lot if you win them, but most teams don't go to Michigan State and Wisconsin and win they this season. And and they, those don't maybe get held against you when it comes down to but at some point, but their their problem is they don't have enough of the ones that have bought them some of that goodwill. Um, and there's some other things about the schedule that they don't get a break on. They don't play Rutgers on the road. They don't play Illinois on the road. So they're all of their road games. No stop at that one. No restaurant. stop at the beef house. Uh, uh, we shouldn't mention. We're going to mention any more spo- <laughs> any more companies or restaurants or anything until one of them ponies up sponsorship. Though that's my 2019 resolution. And uh, so, so if I got to mention anybody, I got to do it today, right? Uh, it's already 2019. <laughs> I, I said that under my – hopefully nobody heard what I said. Maybe I'll edit it out. Um, but if we do a post-game one from a restaurant, it's going to have to be a generic we won't mention unless they're, unless they're ponying up. Um, but, you know, so, so they play all of the best teams in the conference on the road. They don't get any quote-unquote breaks as far as their road games this year. I think another really tough stretch, not to look ahead too far, but if they can, if they can take care of business at home – there's a stretch in February. They play at Maryland, then they're home against Penn State, then they're at Indiana, at Nebraska. And that's in an 11-day span they play those four games. And that seems like a juncture of the season where if things are already – if they don't – if they lose some of these home games early on, if they can't get any of these road games early on, then that starts to become a critical juncture of a season. Well, I think every game is critical, critical for them, Right. Like I said, they don't have a lot of margin no, for I, error I, right I now. Just, uh, for them, it's just – you know, I think they've they've got they've got to straighten out a few things. They've just got to play better, especially defensively. And uh, and if they do that, I think the, everything will take care of themselves. But as you mentioned, now you're getting into the grind of the Big Ten season. You're getting into a long two months of you know you your your schedule's pretty well set. You're going to get the proper days off, but it's still a long season, and we're teams scout you even more than what they scouted you oh, yeah. before and somebody's having a hot stretch over here all of a sudden they get they get taken away and somebody else has to step up and you know Carson's going to be there every night usually he's going to take his shots at least right but you know this is now you're getting into the time of the year where you know consistency is the key in my opinion you have to what what you do one night, you got to do the next. You got to keep, especially if you're winning or you're doing things well. You have to keep building. So if they play well Thursday, that has to carry over into East Lansing. Some of that some of that game has to carry over into East Lansing. And that has been the bugaboo so far is yeah. consistency. That's that's what gives you pause as far as what you're trying to predict for this team going into the second half, because it's the inconsistency has been their consistency in, in a way so far. Um, I think this is, so barring injury, barring anything else, I think this is a team that will find its way into the NCAA tournament, but I think this is going to be a little bit of a, of an unusual season. Purdue fans are not used to the bubble and this is going to be potentially a bubble team going in late into this campaign. I think unlike last year where you had teams like Nebraska and Penn state that were left on the outside, the Big Ten is is significantly more respected than it was last year, and I think strength of schedule will really help when it comes to because this is what the they did this because this is what the committee said they wanted them to do. So I think that will help them. You can go look at the the net ranking right now, which is their big metric they're going to use, and how much higher Purdue ranks in that right now than Iowa does because, like I said, Iowa plays a trash half of a non conference schedule, and and Purdue cut out as much of that dead weight as it could. And now the problem, as I wrote about a couple weeks ago, now it just becomes about, you do still have to add wins. I don't think they can, I don't think they can go under 500 in the big 10 
and make an NCAA tournament. They, the only way that would happen is if they were only beating the very best teams. If they were winning at Michigan State and winning at Wisconsin, but somehow losing to Illinois and Rutgers at home, maybe there's some bizarre way that gets you into the tournament. No, that, but, doesn't, that doesn't get you into the tournament. But they, they've <laughs> got to find a way to start at some point. It doesn't have to be every one of these road games, but that, that's a breakthrough that has to happen at some point. Yeah, that formula you mentioned doesn't get you in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. It is does. No, I, I believe you're probably I, right. I don't know. Now, the women tried that last year, by the way. <laughs> they were like four and one against I ranked teams, and, and they're they playing did, in Muncie. And then, yeah, they're playing. They did the uh, the the state tour of Indiana in the WNIT. So <laughs> it, that, it's not. I don't think that's a uh, that's a formula that leads to any success. I don't think this is a team that I, w- I don't. It's not right to use the word pressure right now, but they're aware of the fact they're only eight and five, and they're aware that the resume building wins, they left some on the table in the first half. And I think that that's giving them some extra urgency going in. But again, it's I think they've had urgency all along in that regard because Matt Painter's pretty keen about how the why those wins are potentially important. He, they know that before the season. It's more more than just game planning for that game. He gives them kind of that big picture, and they still weren't able to win those games. until So until they do, there's still going to be, I think, legitimate doubt about where, where this team can end up at the end of this year. I think they probably do end up getting there, but I think it's going to be close. I think they're going to really have to fight, and I think it's going to come down to maybe that last stretch of games. And like I said, the last two games, if they haven't proven they can win on a road yet, they're going to have to go at Minnesota, at Northwestern, which, by the way, are two other teams that at that point might be in the same basket, trying to fight and claw for just any win that gets them that one more that, that changes the committee's opinion. So that's coming up uh, Thursday night. Some of you um, maybe, hopefully you all hear this before then, um, but um, Purdue at home against Thursday, Friday night, at Michigan State on Tuesday, at Wisconsin next Friday. So uh, a pretty busy next uh, eight, nine days for the Boilermakers and for me. I'm Nathan Baird. He's Mike Carmen. Follow us on jconline.com. Um, follow us wherever you can find this podcast. Download it, rate it, give us comments. We want to hear from you, and, and, uh, and um, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back with you next week.